0: So Miriam and I must have been on the same page, because I also want to begin by talking about running. And uh, some of you know I ran the Chicago Marathon in 2019, and after running 26.2 miles, I was very thirsty. And uh, I was really looking forward to getting some water at the end and seeing my wife. Um, Unfortunately, it was a disaster. None of those things happened for me. I crossed the line. I didn't see anybody I knew. I didn't see Laura, I didn't see any of my friends. And I was running for Team World Vision and I and so I asked the people, you know, kind of processing the line, you know, where do, where do I go for World Vision? And they said, "Oh, you go you go up this way." So I was in Grant Park, so I was going north in Grant Park and I'm walking and I'm walking. I don't see anything. I don't see any orange sign. I don't see any arrows. I can't find anybody. I didn't have my phone on me. Remember when didn't, we didn't have our phones with us? I didn't have my phone on me. I couldn't call anybody. And I was so thirsty. I could barely walk. I could barely walk. And I was, I was just looking around. I was like, can I find a drinking fountain somewhere? There wasn't a drinking fountain in sight. If you're thirsty in Grant Park, good luck. <laughs> there was no drinking fountain. And uh, I had no phone. I had no water bottle. And I'm just—I honestly—I'm so thirsty, and so I humble myself and I go up to a vendor and I said, "I just got done running the marathon. I don't know where my family is. Can I just have some water? Well, it will be five dollars. <laughs> you know. So I didn't have my wallet, so I—I I, I walked away. So again, I walked, kept walking around. I can barely walk, looking for a drinking fountain. I said, you know what? I got to try again. I got to try again. So I go up to another vendor, I explained my situation. I just ran the Chicago Marathon. I'm lost. I'm thirsty. Can I please have a drink of water? I don't have my wallet on me. I can't pay you anything. Could you just please give me a drink of water? Thank God. The man handed me, handed me a glass of water. Eventually, long story short, I had to ask someone to borrow a phone after winding around for an hour. After a marathon, by the way, and by the way, the first person said, no, you can't borrow my phone, you strange man. <laughs> so I'd ask the second person, can I borrow your phone? So I'd call my wife, I'm lost. So yes, finally I called Laura and I was able to make my way. I mean, I think I walked like three miles after a marathon. It was insane. Went 30 miles that day. So as I was thinking about being thirsty, I think about that time. And I wonder, when's the last time you've really been thirsty? When's the last time you've been so parched? When's the last time you've experienced real hunger? You know, very rarely in our, in our world do we experience real hunger, physical hunger, hunger and thirst. And because of this, our, our physical health in our culture is so messed up. It's so, it's so messed up. We don't eat because we feel hungry most of the time. We don't drink because we're so parched. Our whole physical appetite is all out of whack. And you're wondering, why is Pastor Nate talking about my diet today? Well, I'm not just talking about food. You see, this whole story in John chapter 4, and I invite you to turn turn to your Bibles if you'd like to follow along in the story. In John chapter 4, this story is filled with literal, physical hunger and thirst. Why is Jesus alone with a woman at the well? Because the disciples had went to go get food for everybody. Jesus was hungry. They were hungry. And it says Jesus was tired from the journey and he's also come to a well and so has this woman. They are really thirsty. And Jesus takes this opportunity at the well to teach a spiritual point that the woman, the woman is physically thirsty. She needs water, but Jesus wants to waken a deeper desire, a deeper thirst within her what's in her soul, what she's really longing for and thirsting for because what she really needs is not just the physical water but the living water of His Spirit. And so when I first started preparing for this sermon on Monday, I felt like, okay, this, this is going to be easy. This is going to be so easy. I'm just going to talk about how we're, we're filled up by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we worship in spirit and truth. God gives His kingdom work to do. That, that's how we fill up our thirst. That's true unfortunately it's not that easy and i believe the lord led me to realize first that there's a deeper problem going on in our world because not only is our is our physical appetite all messed up i think our spiritual appetite is all messed up our spiritual thirst is all out of whack Just as we are rarely in touch with our physical appetites, I believe most of us were rarely in touch with our spiritual appetite as well. I mean, think about what those metaphors truly mean. Hungry. Thirsty. I had to ask myself, am I hungry for God? Am I thirsty for God? I mean, I was so thirsty after that marathon, my whole body was crying out, I just had to keep searching until I found somebody who would give me some water. That's thirst. Do I feel that way about Jesus? Can I pray what the psalmist prays in Psalm 41? As a deer longs for a flowing stream, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. Friends, I would love to pray like that psalmist prayed. But I confess to you, I don't often feel like that. I don't often have that deep hunger and thirst. And as I prepared for this sermon, I believe that the Lord was convicting me, and I think it's a word for all of us. We have to look at what's going on with our spiritual appetites. Why are they so messed up? Why are we so out of touch with what we truly hunger and thirst for. Because before you can be filled with the living water, you have to recognize your soul's true need and you have to figure out why. Why is this spiritual appetite all out of whack? And as I was praying about this, I believe the Lord led me to Revelation 3. These are the letters written to the churches, the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the amen, the faithful faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich and I've become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That was written to a church to church-going folks just like us. The church in Laodicea, and Jesus says, your, your spiritual temperature, it's lukewarm. It's lukewarm. Their spiritual appetite was all messed up. They didn't long for God. They didn't recognize their great need for God. They didn't have a hunger and thirst for God. And so I want to look at both Revelation 3 and John 4 and consider why, why is it the case that most of us, our spiritual appetites, are, 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 they're all out of whack. So I came up with a few reasons. Maybe this will help. The first is our prosperity doles our appetites. Our prosperity is doling our spiritual appetite. This is the problem. The church in Laodicea, they were mainly rich folk. They were upper class folk. And they're saying, verse 17, I'm rich, I become wealthy, I need nothing. Now, I don't know that any Christian would actually say that out loud. I don't think anyone was actually literally saying that. But it was a mindset because when we're, when we're wealthy, and all of us, I believe, here are, it's harder to feel like you need things. It it's hard to feel like you need even God. In our church's Bible reading plan, we just read the story of the rich young ruler in Mark. Jesus tells him to go sell his possessions and then follow me, and we know he, he walks away. And Jesus commented to, com- made a comment on a general spiritual principle, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, when you look at all the grave warnings in Scripture about riches, I don't know why we would want it or concern ourselves with having it. I don't know why any Christian would really want to get rich necessarily. I mean, if God allows it, that's one thing, but to pursue it and give our lives to it, that's another. Now, money, it's not sinful, but it can be a serious spiritual liability. I mean, would any one of you pray what it says in Proverbs 30. I think I have this for you. Would you pray this? Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I, have may, I, have, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And I, as I was walking around this week, I, I had to, for my own integrity in the sermon, I decided to start praying this. And At first I was like, man, am I comfortable praying this? But I started praying like, Lord, don't give me riches. <laughs> if, if riches would cause me to disown you, if riches would dull my spiritual appetite, Lord, please don't give it to me. Maybe we just need to start praying that. Okay, yes, I believe some people, you're, you're gifted. God bless you. You, God's blessed you. Know, God gives some people to handle a lot of money and use it for his kingdom, thank God. But maybe you shouldn't be so confident that that's you. Because I would just ask you, how is your spiritual appetite. How is your spiritual appetite? In Deuteronomy 8, the people were about to enter into the promised land and receive the blessings of God. And they're warned, when you eat and you're full and you build beautiful houses to live in, your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. See, all over the Bible, the Lord recognizes prosperity typically causes pride. It causes pride that we feel, we feel secure. Your life is going just fine. You have all that you need. You all of your expenses are paid for. Your medical care is taken care of. And you even have enough money for pleasure. So you don't feel a burning need for God. You don't feel a hunger and thirst for God prosperity can cause us to forget god not not literally forget him but to ignore him to live as if you don't really need him you feel like your life is fine without him you have to ask yourself is god really the burning thought on my mind or am i caught up in the things of this world i mean jesus talks about this the parable of the sower the seeds sown among the thorns he says others, they're like seeds sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You know, I think in terms of phys- physically speaking, we have access to unlimited food. You can eat often as much as you want, often it's unhealthy and therefore we don't experience real hunger we don't really feel what it feels like to be hungry and therefore we don't eat how we should. And the same thing is happening spiritually. Because we have access to unlimited diversions, unlimited things because of the prosperity that we have, we are filling ourselves up with all kinds of other things and our appetite is all out of whack. And we don't experience the real spiritual thirst and hunger that God designed for us to have. So we have to consider how is prosperity doling my spiritual appetite? And the second reason that this is happening, I think, because, and it's related to the first, is because we're pursuing other things. We're simply pursuing other things. Because we have so many options for false gods, for idols in our lives, we pursue other things. The prophet Jeremiah says this, I don't know if I have this on the screen, do I? Yes, I do. For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. He's saying there's a double evil going, going on. Not only do we lack pursuit of God because we don't always feel a burning hunger or a need for him, we also commit a double evil. We pursue many other things besides him and pursue idols in our lives. God is the fountain of living water and the people abandon him cisterns. But there's a big problem. The cisterns are cracked. The water will run out. They won't be able to ultimately satisfy you and nor can they be relied upon to keep you alive. You see, most sin is trying to find what only God can give you by some other means. That's what most sin is. Greed is trying to buy the joy that only God can give. Sexual immorality is often trying to find the love and intimacy only the Lord can give you. Unrighteous anger is looking for the justice that only God can bring. And this woman in John 4, she's, she's gone from husband to husband. Now, uh, we don't know the circumstances of why, but we can at least say she did not have a picture-perfect life. And I think Jesus brings up her past in, in this way to, to awaken her desire. Like, What are you really living for? What, what is this going from husband husband? What's happening? What are you really thirsting for? Because Jesus wants to draw her to the living water. So what are you living for right now? What are the things that you're going from to and fro? If it's not God, it's never going to satisfy you. Not, it's not going to satisfy you. Only Jesus will bring true satisfaction. But friends, this is, this is so tricky because we think it's going to be obvious. We think it's going to be obvious if I'm pursuing something besides God. But it won't be obvious. That's what deceit is. It's not obvious. And most of you, you're not going to be tempted, I believe, to forsake God over some obvious, heinous sin. I don't think that's going to happen to you. Most, most of you, God forbid. But it's the little things. It's often, it's often even the blessings that God has given that can derail us. Did you notice in Deuteronomy 8? It was all of the blessings of the promised land. The things that God was giving them that God warned them about. The things that I'm about to give you might take you away from me. Do we allow the good things, the blessings of, the, of our lives to derail us from our walk with the lord you know it's going to be the little things it's it's your vision of the good life it's your vision of what life should be about it's your vision of retirement it's food it's drink it's it's watching tv night after night while you remain spiritually dead inside it's scrolling on your phone when you haven't really prayed in days it's your work, it's your family, it's anything that you desire more than God that is keeping you from God. We have to be on guard against all idols, all things that might want to take the supremacy that God needs to have in our, the deepest part of our souls and our lives. You see, when we pursue all these little other things, when we eat and drink from broken cisterns, We're not going to hunger and thirst deeply for God because you're filling up on empty calories. You're filling up on empty calories. You're eating spiritual Twinkies. You're filling up on empty spiritual calories. It'll keep your hunger at bay. It'll keep your thirst at bay. You won't hunger and thirst for God, but you won't be satisfied and you won't be alive. Only Jesus, only Jesus, think a third reason why this is the case is we don't appreciate God. We don't appreciate God and what he can do for us. I mean, Jesus says to this woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. The bottom line is we take God for granted. God in the flesh is right in front of this woman. And Jesus is saying, well, if you knew who I really was, if you really knew what I could do for you, you'd be asking me for water, not the other way around. But friends, isn't that the case every day with each one of us? Jesus is in front of you every day. And if you just knew, if you knew who he was, if you really in your mind could grasp all that he could do for you, You'd be seeking him. You'd be thirsting. You'd be hungering. You see, the elder son in that prodigal son story, he didn't appreciate what he had the entire time right in front of him. And the father, in, in his anger, in his distress at the younger brother, the father had to say, say to him, Son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Friends, God is with you all the time. The resources of heaven are available living water, living bread is available, his intimate presence. But don't we take that for granted? We don't appreciate what we have. We don't appreciate God and what he can do in our lives. If we really grasp that, how could we live for anything else besides him? But the fact is we don't appreciate him for who he is. We take him for granted. And the fourth that's related to this is we don't often recognize our great need of God. Jesus said to the church in Laodicea, you don't realize, you're not aware, that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, this is the church. People believed in Jesus is Lord. You know, we think if we have the right doctrine, if we believe, just believe the right things, then we think that we are in and we're good. Even the demons believe, as Scripture says. No, we—I think we often we pray little, we seek Him little, because we don't understand how much we actually need Him. We hunger and we thirst little, because we think our need is little. We do not realize that we actually do. We sang it. I hope we believe it. We need Thee every hour. Every hour, I need you, God. Oh, that we would have that mindset every day. See, it's an issue of pride. The scripture says God opposes the proud. This is our, in our heart. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to those who humble themselves and recognize their need. And finally, the last reason I want to give, why, why is the spiritual appetite all messed up, is because we don't have eyes for the global harvest the disciples, it's almost comical if you read the story. The disciples, they are so concerned with Jesus eating. They keep, they keep telling him, Lord, eat something. We went to get you this food. Just eat, Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 And they come again. Lord, eat something. We're urging you to eat. And then he has to tell them in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then he gives them all kinds of analogies about the harvest. He says, don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they're ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. You know, food... It's what gives energy to our body. Calories give us energy. And I hear Jesus saying, my food, what what really energizes me, what really brings me alive on the inside, is to do God's will and to do his kingdom work. That's what energizes me. That's what wakes me up in the morning. That's what gives me passion. And he just tells him, just look around, just open your eyes, look at the harvest, look at how much I'm eating right now, look at all this opportunity. Isn't this exciting? Doesn't this energize you? Doesn't this wake you up in the morning with passion and purpose? See, God's purpose for our lives is to find our meaning, our joy in the spread of his glory across the globe in the coming of his kingdom on this earth. And I think we have to recognize, friends, we are in a period of harvest. We're in a season of harvest. I think think we always are, but I mean, especially right now. You think about the wars and rumors of wars, the earthquakes going on, the rumblings, the the birth pains, all of this stuff. It's like, man, now's the time. We need to get right with God and spread the gospel to the ends of the world. Do we still believe that we need to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus all across the world? Do we believe that? Thank you for saying amen. I got word there for a second. God's purpose is for us to find our energy, our excitement, our joy in the spreading of his glory. Jesus even said this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you know, all the people in the world, they're so worried about eating and drinking, the clothes they wear, they're so worried about the material things of this realm. Not so for you. Do not worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all that's going to be taken care of, so you don't have to even worry about it. You don't have to even think about it. Just seek me first and all that will be taken care of. We have to keep our eyes on the kingdom, but unfortunately our vision, it gets so constrained to our own little, little, little tiny kingdoms. Just our little lives. But Jesus wants us to open our eyes to the great need around us and for the gospel to spread. So friends, I contend to you this morning with all humility, because all of this affects me as much as it affects you, that our spiritual appetites are all messed up. His prosperity is doling us. We're distracted by and pursuing so many other things besides the Lord. We really don't appreciate God for for who He is and what He's done. We don't recognize our need of Him and we don't have eyes for the global harvest. And that's why. That's why you're not really hungry and you're not really thirsty. That's why we're lukewarm. What can be done? What, what can be done? What, what can save us from this? I have a few more words I want to say. I'm going to invite Jonathan up to, to lead us in a time of ref, prayer and reflection. But I want to say to you, beloved friends, just as Jesus sought this Samaritan woman who really needed living water, I believe Jesus is seeking you out. He is seeking you out. You're here right now. What is he trying to say to you? He wants to restore you. He wants to restore your passion. He wants to restore your hunger and your thirst. To the lukewarm church in Laodicea, Jesus says, I advise you. I I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed, and your shameful, exposed, an ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. So what's our first step? Our our first step, if this is at, at all true of us, is to admit it. Is to admit it and to recognize that it's a very serious spiritual condition. I mean that with all sincerity. We have to admit it and recognize there is something ill in us that needs to be healed. Healed. If we are lukewarm, though we may have world riches, we are in spiritual poverty. If we are lukewarm, though we wear nice clothing, we are spiritually naked and in danger of judgment. Though we may see perfectly with our physical eyes, we are spiritually blind. We just have to admit, you know what? It's true. The prosperity around me has dulled my appetite. I'm pursuing other things. I don't don't appreciate God and what He can do for me. I don't recognize my need of Him and I, I certainly don't have eyes for the harvest. The first step is just to recognize, admit, I'm all out of sorts. I'm all out of sorts and I need to come to Jesus to fix this problem. I can't do it myself. And the second thing is we do have to take some responsibility. We have to repent zealously. Jesus says, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Repent. Friends, if I didn't love all of you, I would not put you through this sermon. But sometimes the physician out of love has to say, the way that you're currently living is not good for you. The way that you're currently living, it's not bringing health to your body. In fact, it's going to destroy you. And I believe the way that we're living as a society, it's destroying us. It's destroying the fire, the longing, the hunger, the thirst that should rightfully be ours as children of God. We're spiritually dry and it's a huge problem. So we have to repent of whatever idols the Holy Spirit is convicting you of, whatever is doling your spiritual passion. We have to get rid of the broken cisterns that we turn to instead of going to God who is the living water. We have to take some action and repent of these things. And finally, you really have to let Jesus in. You have to let him in to deal with this problem. Jesus says in this passage, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. There Jesus goes with food again. Jesus wants to come in, commune with you, have an intimate knowing with you. And perhaps this morning, maybe he's even knocking at the door of your heart through this sermon. Maybe this is from the Lord, but maybe he's saying to you, Hey, while it's been a while would you would you open the door would you let me back in to the deepest part of your heart i'll get you all sorted out i'll fix you up i'll clean you off your sins can be forgiven we can make things right there's still time you just have to let me in do you hear him knocking when you eat with him your hunger and thirst for him will be restored You see, that's the unique thing about spiritual hunger and thirst that's different. I heard a pastor say, when you eat and drink physically, your hunger and thirst diminish. But when you you eat and drink spiritually, your hunger and thirst increase. The more you are with him, the more you seek him, the more that you will want to be with him. The more you seek him, the more you will hunger and thirst. And the more you hunger and thirst, the more that you will seek him. It's a beautiful relationship. So friends, remember the love you had at first and seek him again. Let him revive you and bring the passion back. Let Jesus into that part of your soul that you don't want to open. He will heal. He's the source of living water. He is the bread of life. I invite you today, today, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. Jonathan's going to lead us in a song. You're welcome to sing out as he does, and um, I invite you just to let the Holy Spirit speak to you in this time. Seek God in whatever way that you need. Um, It was laid upon my heart this morning. There may be some of you, you're like I, I really you're resonating with this. This is me. I'm I'm all messed up. I need God to heal me. If you need prayer, if you'd like to humble yourself and say yes, I need God to come fix my life, fix my heart. I need to get right with Him. You're welcome to come up. Kneel here, I will pray for you. But do what you need to do in the depths of your heart to speak to the Lord.